Hey everybody, I'd like to welcome you to today's Payments Podium. The Payments Professor's got a really special guest today. We have Payments Elsa, also known as Dr. Angela Murphy. Payments Elsa, welcome to the Payments Podium. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Payments Professor. I am thrilled to be here and have this conversation with you. Well, we're going to have some fun today. We're going to be talking about some AP and AR automation. But one of the key things I always ask people when they first come on the Payments Podium is, how in the world did you end up working in payments? Because that's one of those things very few people ever say, well, you know, in kindergarten, I just had this path paved out for me that I was going to work in electronic payments. So there's usually a good story for how you ended up in payments. What's yours? I have a pretty unique entry into this industry. And it's a question that I get asked pretty often because I don't have what many would consider even a relative background in the payments or financial services industries. I have my PhD in rhetoric from the University of Kansas, and I transitioned from being a career academic to being in the payments industry in less than a year. Wow. Wow. So a lot of times what... So a lot of times what happens when you're in a terminal degree program in the humanities is you're advised to either attempt to become a professor or to join the nonprofit sector. It's something called alternative academics. I think that phraseology has since fallen out of favor. But when I received my degree five years ago, that's really where they were tracking high performers in academia who might not necessarily be on the professor track. I knew that being a professor wasn't for me. I spent some time doing consulting work for nonprofits and realized that that industry wasn't necessarily a fit for my career goals either. So I took the opportunity to do informational interviews with leaders across a variety of industries to ask them how they would categorize my strengths as a potential employee. And I arrived at the idea that I operate at this intersection of strategy and insight. And all so, right. So for all the listeners out there that say, I love how you fun- to ask everybody how they got involved in payments and learning that journey. That was a huge knowledge bomb just dropped on you right there on how you could actually take that to improve your career, too. Now, um, for those of you who know, though, too, payments professor is branding, not an actual degree. So the professor <laughs> today is Dr. Angela Murphy here. OK. <laughs> And she's going to school us and help school us on AR and AP automation and how it works with um, the ISO 20022 format, which really means what's this going to mean to the world of faster payments? So I I guess for me, the question is, and everybody else is, where do we actually start with AP and AR automation in the world of faster payments? It's such a huge question that a lot of people and entities are trying to address within the last five years, 10 years, but also going forward into the next five or 10 years. And I have to give a shout out to my mom. Uh, She always taught me when I was a kid, you know, the phrase, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And I think that that metaphor is so meaningful for how we address AP and AR automation and the faster payments journey, particularly in B2B, which is where a lot of my expertise lies in payments. So Interestingly enough, I had a lunch yesterday with the president of a bank, a super regional bank. They're trying to revamp their payment strategy. They recognize that there are pain points there. And he asked me almost the same question. How do we serve our clients in payments? And what does that journey look like? How do we break this down into something that's more manageable? 
for the listeners out there who are familiar with the industry of payments, there's a lot of writing and information and podcasts and materials out there talking about the strategy around AP and AR automation, but really that is just an umbrella. I don't see as much the practical steps that an institution could take to streamline their payment services, whether in AP, AR, or both. So, you know, first of all, one of the biggest things that you just said too, that I hope everybody caught is we're talking faster payments and we're talking B2B because so many people get caught on. It's only going to be a P or consumer person to person type transaction. And there's a huge need, a huge void that B2B will be able to fill. So again, what are those steps that we go on to fill that void? So the first step that I advise my partners, clients, financial services institutions to take is to understand the cost of their current payments behaviors. When you look at how businesses transact with other businesses across the supply chain, goods and services, there is a cost associated with processing a payment, whether it's on an invoice, a check, ACH, wire, a card, And there's a cost to the person sending the payment, and there's a cost to the person receiving the payment. And most of the time, when I ask that question to potential clients or to partners, they cannot tell me how much it costs for them to process a check. And the reason that that's an issue is because over 60% of all B2B payments in the U.S. are still transacted on a paper check. Yikes. And you wait, so you're basically telling me that it costs money to produce that paper check. It costs money to put that paper check in an envelope. It costs money to send that paper check somewhere. It costs money for somebody to open that paper check. It costs somebody money for somebody to input that information into a system. And it costs money for them to then get it deposited. You mean all that friction that exists? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's some data out there about the cost. The average cost ranges anywhere from 7 to $35 depending on your industry. That's a lot of money being left on the table, engaging in a manual payment method. And you know, in hearing that too, I recently just got a rebate check back for 69 cents. And the first thing I thought was, how much did it cost you to produce this check and mail it to me? More than the value that they gave to you, I can almost guarantee. (laughs) I almost guarantee it too. So, okay. So that's the first step is understanding the current cost patterns, behavior, cost on both sides too. What's next? So once you've assessed that cost, it's essential to understand the breakdown of your payments behaviors. How many or how much of your payments are transacted via a manual method like a check? What percentage is on ACH? What percentage is on wire? Because knowing that tells you how much money in your organization is being spent on payments. And it gives you a starting place. So look at the cost for your payments and then map that onto what percent of your payments are in each of those modes. Once you've done those two things, you can look at other payment options and other technology innovations to streamline the manual processes associated with checks, and then also potentially assess whether or not faster payments or straight through processing or real-time or instant payments might be valuable for your organization. Now, one thing I also want to point out is a lot of people 
don't realize that with RTP and FedNow Instant Payments, that these are, yes, credit push payments, but there is the RFP, the request for payment mechanism that is there that aids in the process for more of a bill collection type thing too. Mm -hmm. And an RFP conceptually is essentially an invoice when you think about it. And a lot of conversations that I'm hearing in the industry right now around the RTP network from the clearinghouse and Fed now are questions surrounding fraud. And what I say to those concerns is that the RFP and the RTP framework, so doing the request for payment and having the data, the SKUs, the information, the addresses, the kind of KYB, KYC information that's contained in that RFP can really do a lot to mitigate concerns of fraud in a push payments network. Mm -hmm. So basically we're saying it can be faster with less fraud in a bill pay type situation. Yes. All right. But the big question that comes in then is when I talk to people about business to business payments and, you know, they mentioned the AR and AP systems, they'll tell me the payment's only a piece of the puzzle that I need solved for. They'll be like, I need to have the payment data just as much, if not more than the payment itself. So how do you solve for that? So this is something that I'm passionate about, one, because of my current work, but two, just because of my years of experience in this industry. I've been saying for quite some time that the payment modality is not nearly as important as knowing what you're paying for. And this is in consumer and business use cases. It's key for any entity or individual making a payment to know what they're paying for and why. For example, in a consumer use case, how many of us have credit cards and we go into our online credit card statement and we see that we went to Target and spent $78.03, but we have no idea what we purchased. Some of it may be groceries. Some of it may be apparel. Some of it may be a gift for your boss at work. And you don't have that line item level visibility into your own buying behaviors. Now map that onto a business, perhaps in the supply chain, manufacturing industry, somebody supplying pieces to a large electronics manufacturer. It's important not only for the supplier of those pieces, but the recipient of those pieces to understand at a skew level what's being transacted within an individual transaction, not just this is the invoice number and this is the purchase order number. So putting together all the different pieces. I, I love your analogy too, from, you know, for everybody can relate to, you do see it on the statement and you wonder, what did I even buy that day? Or how did I spend that much? And where could I get that additional information? But then, okay, the next piece of the puzzle is if we do have the data there, how are we going to ingest it into those systems? Because that's what the treasury management people will ask me and they'll tell me is, you know, we've got these systems that take that expensive check that they read it, they map the data, they map the invoice that's along with it to be able to be ingested into their, their applications so that they can then you know use and process that data. How do we solve for that piece of the puzzle? So part of the pain points around manual processes associated with B2B payments and complex remittances and that relation to an invoice and making that information reconcilable within a system of record is that there are legacy systems involved. And most of the time, it's a human behind a screen typing that information in. That's a bad user experience and it costs even more money. So why not use 
APIs or artificial intelligence and natural language processing to contextualize and understand the document much like a human would and pull that information in via an API into a system of record. I think that's one of the key early steps that a lot of financial services institutions and service providers can take to better serve their clients. Give them the ability to upload a PDF or take a photo of an invoice or a bill and have that information extracted in, let's say, two minutes. And then it's populated into your system of record or your ERP or your accounting system with human level accuracy without the time that it would take for a human to do it. Okay, that's fabulous. I love that answer. There's APIs can do so much. Uh, it's where the world of open banking has so many possibilities because of APIs. You mentioned AIs could help with this too. I know another piece though is, you know, again, back to that old check method. With the check, I also have the invoice. They both come together. So in mm -hmm. the world of ISO 2022 with RTP, FedNow Instant Payments, can I get that payment and that data together? Yes, it is possible with APIs and artificial intelligence both in the mix. And that's what's key in this conversation. ISO 2022 is an attempt by the U.S. payments entities and powers that be to basically become more competitive with other solutions that are already in place in other areas of the world, APAC, the European Union, et cetera. They already have these types of standardization for their invoices. In the U.S., that's not necessarily something that we're going to be able to do out of the box. No two invoices look the same. Industries have different rules and regulations around what information needs to be contained in an invoice or in a remittance. So why not use artificial intelligence and an API call to take that complex information and pull it into the ISO 2022 standard with all the details associated with that payment, with the ability to execute that payment in near real time. That's the North Star for this functionality. And the thing is that North Star is it's on the map. It's something that we can actually see. We can something we can get to. It's not just a, a pipe dream that we're chasing. I think that's what's so wonderful. I, I, I really love that you're backing up things. I have been telling audiences for a couple of years now and they're making sure that, you know, they know I'm not crazy. This all can actually happen. Okay. Maybe I am crazy, but all of this is really possible. So we've got the steps in here. I mean, understanding the different behaviors making sure that we know what channels are being used. Now, in the, in the what channels are being used, that's the other thing is you, you mentioned the legacy systems. And when I hear that, that means to me, I'm going to have resistance. I mean, we want to remove friction, but resistance is harder to overcome. Some people may not want to change. So is this really a solution that fits everybody's needs? Or is this a case of this is a solution that we can bring in for those who want it, those who need it, or to complement existing things that we're already doing. So I think that this is a solution that has use cases across a wide variety of industries and verticals. And I do believe that this is for everyone. Everyone on this earth has to pay a bill in one way or another. You either have to pay your phone bill or your doctor bill, or you're somebody who works in accounts payable at a large manufacturer and you have to pay those invoices or collect on those invoices, bill pay is simply a part of everyday life. And using this type of technology allows people and businesses to make better choices about their cash flow. That's really what this is about at the end of the day. 
what I hear in terms of resistance to change, that that's something that comes up a lot when I have these conversations, especially with financial services institutions or entities that have core systems, legacy systems. They are hard-coded and inflexible, and that simply isn't the way of the future. So the key is to develop APIs that can take these complex systems and break them down and map it onto uh, other systems or other payments networks or rules in easily accessible ways. The core is unlikely to change. So how can you build technologies to suit inflexible core systems, but also create opportunities for underserved and underbanked communities as well? All right. So when you say though, develop the APIs to break this down, to do a lot of this work, one of the things that I'll hear from people a lot is, well, who's going to do that for me? So when you hear that, who's going to do that for me? And there are organizations out there that do this type of stuff, uh, not just fixes. They've done a lot of work with APIs and integration of APIs. They're just one of many that I can think of. I know that the work that we do here at Pigeon, we look a lot at using APIs for being able to do different calls and look at things. So when people ask you though, if I wanna be able to integrate this for my system, what's that gonna mean? Because everybody hears API and development and they go, it's gonna be too expensive. Is Mm -hmm. it really gonna be too expensive? Who do they really need to talk to to help this to be able to move forward? I really am loving this conversation because it's touching on so many things that I had to talk about yesterday with this president of this bank, because he asked me, how expensive is this going to be for my bank to integrate with a real-time payment or an instant payments network? We have limited resources. We have to maintain our core, but we are getting requests from customers for more innovative options within our offering. And my response to him is that there are plenty of fintechs out there that have already done the work for you. You just have to be willing to collaborate on the innovation. Most of the time, fintechs, neobanks, and the like are API first. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is the openness and the willingness to collaborate in that value chain. And I think that the resistance to change piece that we were talking about earlier is one of the barriers to entry for financial services institutions to recognize the benefits of these new innovations. But, you know, that resistance to change is one of those that I think is just like my Apple iPhone. Once I got an iPhone before I had it, I didn't know I needed it. But once I got it, I knew I was never going to give it back. And I think people would be the same with this, that once they've done it, they're like, whoa, no, 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 this is mine now. I'm keeping it. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I feel the same way about my iPad. Um, I just got an iPad this year for the first time ever, and it's a game changer. The other thing that I will say in terms of legacy systems and resistance to change and concerns over cost is that most of the time, if you're going to engage with a fintech that is API driven, They're dynamic and nimble enough that they will do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Most of the time, these these offerings are off-the-shelf offerings that can easily be mapped onto or abstracted onto legacy systems. I know that here at Photon, that's exactly what we do. Our APIs are accessible online. You can look at exactly what the code looks like and determine what that could look like for your system. And depending on the age and the sophistication of the fintech, they don't always charge these exorbitant implementation fees that you would get if you went with a legacy player. All right. Next question, though. We're talking about replacing current systems. 
And these are current systems that financial institutions are making money off of. So in this replacement, in going to the RTP or going to the FedNow payments, would we still be able to charge for that? Can financial institutions still find a way to provide this quality service and make money? Yes, absolutely. I'm in the process of creating what I believe is a formidable strategy for financial institutions to understand practically how they can engage with real-time payments network and FedNow and instant payments within their overall strategy. My vision is that APIs become the abstraction layer that sits on top of legacy systems. So rather than getting rid of them or ripping them apart, since they're so entrenched in our payments behaviors and in our financial institutions, Let's allow APIs to do that heavy lifting to pull the information out of the system and into where it needs to go. Uh, for example, within a core system, there are different payment methods that a financial institution will offer to their end users. And they make different amounts of money based on different payments behaviors and the mm -hmm. players that they work with. RTP and instant payments are no different. Imagine, and this is a big brain play here, but this is where I see this entire innovation going. Imagine as a financial institution being able to understand which payment methods your commercial clients or your treasury clients are using and being able to show them how expensive it is for them to be transacting on a check with their payers or how expensive it is for them to transact on a check as a payee and then show them that using RTP or using an instant payments method could save them money and help them grow their revenue. And then the bank also makes money on that. That's where I'm driving this is look at all the payments behavior, understand how much money it costs, and then incentivize different payments behaviors to drive revenue for the bank, but also create savings and a better user experience for the corporates that you serve. So basically you're telling me it's a win, it's a win, it's a win, and it's a win. Essentially. Essentially. I, I, I got to agree. Now, one thing, though, I do want to back up real quick. And, and by backup, what I want to do is could we walk people through what would this process really look like? Because with instant payments being new, FedNow, RTP, they really flow about the same way. Mm -hmm. And people want to know, well, how's this going to flow? You know, where does it start? How's it get to the person? What information's in there? How's that information then get back, you know, between the financial institutions and back into the finally the business's hands? Could you walk us maybe through like that RFP request and send process? Mm -hmm. So, at uh, a foundational level, the RTP network from TCH or FedNow, when that is released, is through what's called an FBO model. So it's a for benefit of model or for benefit mm -hmm. of account. So the funds are held within the financial institution, but they're pre-funded by the corporate who would be making the payment. So that's the starting place is the account and the money being in the account. Then... There could be, so we'll say that's corporate ABC and they have their FBO with their financial institution. Then we have corporation DEF and they're going to execute what's called a request for payment from their financial institution. I would like to be paid for this invoice, please. And there's going to be SKU level and line item level detail associated with that invoice. And that RFP will ping the financial institution for corporate ABC. 
if that RFP matches with a transaction that the corporate ABC would like to pay, they initiate an RTP, a real-time payment or an instant payment. And I do have to give a caveat here. RTP is trademarked by the clearinghouse. So if you hear me say real-time payments and instant payments, they're interchangeable in my in my view. Uh, so just to just to get ahead a little a little bit of that confusion. So uh, back to the example. But so far though, no money's actually moved. What mm -hmm. has come in though is just the electronic, you know, basically similar to an email, but through mm -hmm. secure financial channels, something mm -hmm. saying, would you like to pay this bill with details about what the bill is that you're paying? Yes, that's, that's all that's happened so far. It's the transmission of information. So then corporate ABC who needs to pay the bill says, okay, we did buy these things. We should pay for them. How do we want to pay for them? A check is going to be expensive. I don't want to do an ACH because there's no information. Let's execute an instant payment. And we want to pay our bill as late as possible without getting a late fee. That's one of these key advantages in terms of being a payer. So corporate ABC schedules the payment for this invoice to 4.58 p.m. on Friday the 30th. And at 4.58 p.m. on Friday the 30th, as long as the funds are present in the FBO account, that payment is executed with all payment details that are reconciled to corporate DEF's financial institution and their bank account instantly. It happens the same minute. And that's when the money moves, is in that minute. The benefit of this is that it's faster than ACH and it contains the data associated with what that payment is for. That is the key value differential between a real-time or instant payment and an ACH or a wire. Okay. And in this example at 4.58, say it's Friday afternoon, are you telling me I could wait till Friday afternoon, almost five o'clock, almost before a bill were to become late and still pay it on time? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And now, okay, I paid the bill. It's coming back to the business. How's the business going to ingest and get that and notify and be aware of it so that the, the cycle, the process, the circle of payments, let's say, is completed? So on the recipient side, there will be the payment posted to the account. And then at that point, it's the, in my understanding, the responsibility of the financial institution to post that payment within the account. And then the corporate will see within the payment details that it was executed within the time frame, And that information can then be pushed into their ERP or accounting system of record. So, and then that point, going back to where you said earlier, that's where the APIs or the AI in that two minute long process can then ingest that into the, the AP type systems so that it, the, again, the circle of payments in bill pay this case is completed. Exactly. So you're taking a process that takes anywhere between 31 to 38 days on check right now in the United States and drilling it down to a two minute cycle. Okay, now here's the other thing is the entire process from beginning to end could happen in minutes. There is one key part. That's if the person receives it does reply within that time frame. But what we are saying is there's no doubt the delivery time incredibly shorter. The time yeah. from once it is paid and received incredibly shorter than what it has ever been historically. Yes.
I, okay, golden question here. We've talked about a lot. You've walked us through the different steps. You've showed us how API, AI can help with all of this. You even walked us through the steps of what it would look like for somebody doing this. What, what am I not asking? What am I missing that is important for people to understand that if you want to really benefit from ISO 2022, you want to benefit from having automation, you want to benefit from either RTP payments or FedNow instant payments, what is it that I should be asking you that maybe we missed? I actually think it would be important to touch on the consumer use cases for real-time and instant payments. It's something that's not getting a lot of love right now because the Greenfields opportunity is the $5 trillion in B2B payments occurring globally that need to be solved for in terms of manual processes. However, okay, so can, that's a whole new topic then that where we go to consumers working with instant payments, what they can do and how they can benefit from it. Mm -hmm. So if you so guys want to learn about that, we're going to have to cut this off today. Class has got to end <laughs> for today because, I mean, I'm already still trying to figure out how I'm going to get all these APIs and AIs in place. I'm blown away by the money savings that are going to be there. So for now, folks, I'm going to have to tell you, class dismissed. Dr. Angela Murphy, also known as Payments Elsa, you can find her out on LinkedIn. If you can't find her, get in touch with me, Kevin at PaymentsProfessor.com. I'll definitely put you in touch with her. If there is a topic you would like to learn more about out there in the world of electronic payments, just let me know. I'll do what I can to get somebody on to speak about that topic. Or if there's a speaker you think that should be on the Payments Podium, again, Kevin at PaymentsPodium.com. I'll do, or sorry, Kevin at PaymentsProfessor.com for the Payments Podium. And I'll do what I can to get that speaker on here as well. I do thank you for listening. But for now, I have to say, class dismissed.